This series of Friday's Child is brought to you in association with The Healthy Home. I don't know about you mamas, but my desire to nest and organize my home has only increased since the arrival of my daughter. I am obsessed with making sure my home is clean and hygienic for my little one, but there are certain germs and nasties that cannot be seen by the naked eye. Well, this is where the wonderful team at The Healthy Home come in. The Healthy Home is the leading company in the Middle East specialized in advanced eco-friendly sanitization technologies, home services and products. Their esteemed team have been expert leaders in the home services industry since 2013, so they really know what they're doing. As we enter the height of the sweltering summer heat here in the UAE, we are all going to be spending a lot more time in our homes and our AC systems are going to be working overtime. So now is the perfect time to get the healthy home team in to make sure your home is free of impurities that cannot be removed by regular cleaning methods. And if not managed properly, germs, bacteria and viruses can be spread across your home through your AC. Poor indoor air quality can trigger allergies, asthma, eczema, morning fatigue, itchy eyes and even bed bugs. So protect your family and have peace of mind that your home is not only clean, but safe. I recently had the Healthy Home team in to clean and sanitize my baby's nursery, including her crib mattress along with my mattress. And if you want to see what came off my poor mattress after the team had worked their magic, check out my highlighted stories on the Friday's Child Instagram page for a real shot. All their treatments are chemical-free and eco-friendly, so they're 100% safe for infants and children. It felt so fantastic to know my baby's mattress was thoroughly cleaned and sanitized, along with the rest of her nursery. And mamas, guess what? These treatments don't just give you peace of mind that everything is beautifully clean. The benefits also include better breathing, better sleep, and improved energy levels. And I'm delighted to report we all slept very soundly through the night after that one visit from the Healthy Home team. The Healthy Home has quickly become an integral part of our home maintenance and I've already marked on the calendar our next visit as it's very important to have these treatments every six months to maintain all the fabulous health benefits. If you'd like to find out more about the Healthy Home Services, just visit their website www.thehealthyhome.me or check out their Instagram page, both of which are linked in the show notes of this episode. Welcome to a brand new series of Friday's Child, the podcast on a mission to educate, empower and support you on your parenting journey. I'm your host, Peter, a British expat who's been living in Dubai for 10 years and first-time mama to my gorgeous little girl, Mavia. I have some incredible guests for you this season, including Heidi Murkoff, the author of the iconic, best-selling book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, YouTube star, Nurse Zabe, along with amazing childbirth educators, parenting coaches, and real mums keeping it very real. So let's get into it. My guest today is Luz Maria Serco. Luz is a conscious parenting coach, a family therapist, and the founder of Positive Living UAE. Speaking to Luz and discovering more about conscious parenting was absolutely fascinating, and I honestly felt like I could have listened to her speak all day. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with the utterly brilliant Luz. Luz, welcome to the podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me here, Pita. It's an honor to be here. Oh, thank you. I'm really excited about our conversation today because this isn't something that I think we have discussed before on the podcast. So Luz, can you start by telling us about your journey to becoming a family therapist and a parenting coach? Absolutely. Well, Pita, I live in Dubai for the past 23 years. And my first experience as a mother was 16 years ago when I have my little Mohammed. I was the typical, you know, entrepreneur working mother. And I was doing it well, I, I guess. And to a point that I had my second child and I decided to leave my career to become a mommy. I felt that it was a requirement for me to spend more time with my children because I did enjoy being a, a career woman, but I enjoy more the motherhood. So the time constraint was there. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to dedicate myself to my children. And let me tell you that it was an overwhelming experience because I thought career was, you know, uh, a more difficult job. But when I become a mother, it was a completely different story. It was very overwhelming. I was a little bit, you know, confused what was the right thing to do because, you know, you get to tell a lot of people tell you what to do and how to do it and the right things and, you know, all these standards of, you know, being an excellent mother, a perfect mother. So that took me to read more about parenting, to learn more about the psychic and the psychology of children and so as the adults. And it amazed me, it really did. It amazed me to discover that we in our society, we think that parenthood is something that comes natural to you. You know, in fact, this is one of the myths that in conscious parenting, which is something that I do now, uh, I realized no, parenthood does not come naturally. Becoming a mother does not come naturally. You can learn. You can learn a lot to be a loving, caring, connected mother. Yes, you can learn to be connected because you need to understand that the child needs more than just, you know, uh, being there physically or giving a lot of toys or, or just simply food and shelter. It takes more than that. It takes connections. It takes, you know, presence. I mean, presence in the sense of profound presence, just be there and connecting with the child. So I love that. And I start learning about psychology. I study with one of the best child psychologists. Her name is Dr. Shefali. She's a PhD in child psychology. She worked for 33 years treating countless families, countless children. And it amazed me. It really did all the techniques that she taught me in the conscious parenting method. And to complement that as well, I studied with Dr. Gabor Mate, who is also a physician who has dedicated his life to study also the brain development and, you know, the, the connection between the child brain development to the addictions and to other dif different diseases of emotional disbalances. And last but not least, I learned to do hypnosis with a very interesting British lady 
She was a psychologist, or sorry, a, a hypnotherapist of many famous Hollywood actresses and actors. Her name is Marisa Beer. And she taught me a technique that amazed me as well, which I used it myself, which is RTT, Rapid Transformation Therapy. And it's a hypnosis that basically helps you to discover all the inner wounds, you know, all our profound inner wounds, things that we only discover when we are parents surprisingly because you know what i mean it is it is when we are parents that we get so overwhelmed as i told you myself that you know you get triggered with many things that we don't have control of especially when you have a child so with marisa i learned that we as children got some primary wounds and our inner child that that child that had some you know unmet needs uh, it forms within ourselves inside ourselves in our psychic and it needs healing so with hypnosis i learned to heal those wounds that many of us have and basically my journey was about that discovering myself discovering how to be and learn uh, a better parent so i i started with these three pioneers in child psychology parenthood and hypnotherapy Wow, that is amazing that you <laughs> took that experience of feeling overwhelmed and created something from it because I can really relate to that. I've been very lucky to have spent the past 10 months with my baby and I have done some freelance work, but I've been able to spend that time with her. Um, and I recently made the decision to go back to work full time. And it's taken me sort of a good few months to get my head around that okay, so I love being a mum, but there are other things I want to do. And the guilt that comes with that of feeling, you know, why isn't this just enough? But hang on, lots of mums don't even have the choice and they have to go back to work. And, you know, it's, it's so all encompassing and it brings up so much stuff for you personally as well. Um, it's so much harder than I ever thought it would be. And of course, there are so many wonderful things that come with it as well. But, you know, for me realizing that okay just being a mom is is not is not going to be enough you know there are other things i want to do um was a big yeah was a big sort of was a big thing to get my head around and i'm still sort of getting my head around it and it's i don't i don't think until until you're actually a parent and you're in it you just don't know how you're going to feel do you Absolutely. And it's, it's so interesting what you say, Peter, because most of us, when we become mothers, we have this sort of own, because it's own, it's our own perception, it's our own expectations, because we want to show everybody that we, we want to be this best mommy, you know, and we create within ourselves this expectation, these projections mm -hmm. that, oh, no, I need to do more. I mean, I'm a mom now, and you know, but I really want to work, but you know, but, but but my child, and then this, like you say so beautifully, the guiltiness come, and, and you see, Pita, guiltiness is a very cheeky feeling. It's a very cheeky feeling because we do feel guilty yet we still want to do what we want to do and sometimes mm. we do it but guiltiness is there to regulate that part of us that says okay you know what you you're still gonna go work but it's okay feel guilty and it compensates the fact that 
we're still going to continue with our lives. And so it sort of regulates our emotions, but it keeps us there stuck in this feeling of guiltiness. And what, for example, what I experience, and I, I can advise you is that, you know what, parenthood is not about the quantity of time that you provide to your child. It's the quality. It's the quality. Yeah. And you do you know what I, I had, um, sorry to interrupt you, Liz. I just, no I was going to say that I, you know, my mom always worked and all I remember from being a child is having amazing quality time with her. I mean, as a child, you don't think of it as quality time, but you know, she was yeah. always present. She was there. Um, there and we have this great there relationship and she worked so hard. And so in my head, I'm like, well, you know, my mom set this wonderful example. Why am I having such a hard time with it? <laughs> exactly. And there is the question of a generational pattern or even maybe a trauma that it's in your head. And people don't like to call it a trauma because, you know, society and people say that trauma, oh, no, no, I don't have traumas, you know, because a trauma does not necessarily means that you're being harassed or, you know, physically abused or, you mm. know, rape or, you know, these very big traumatic events. Trauma also means that somewhere in your psychic, there is something telling you that you're not good enough and that you need to be so good at being the best mommy so you get more validation you get more approval from the outside you know the outside world of you you know your partner your friends you know the society and so for me that tells me for example why am i asking so much of myself i am if you are conscious that you are spending quality time like your wonderful mother i mean you i must say you are very lucky because mm. not many children have that memories of a childhood having a mummy that spent quality time with them you know and this yeah. is where we get all wrong it is about those quality times so you could Peter, you could easily go back to work that doesn't make you lesser mother or lesser effective and and a conscious mother no what will make the difference is the quality time that you spend with your daughter this present moment where you are really present with her when you are not with your mobile and you are not in your mind thinking, what are you going to do next? And I, I need to send this email. Oh, I need to do this. And no, you're going to be present with her, playing with her, interacting with her, or even just being there. You know that animals do that? Even animals do that. You know, the lions, the lioness, when the cubs are playing, the lioness is sitting there observing the cubs playing because it is in the playing that they are learning to survive. Mm -hmm. They are learning to hand, they are learning to play, their use their paws, and the lioness is watching the children, the cubs. And so the cubs knows, they understand that mommy is watching me and therefore I'm safe and I am yeah. worth it and I matter in the life of my of my mother and so that presence gives them confidence it builds their self-esteem it is a it is a biological need that the child needs the presence of the parents which is quality time in other words so it's not quantity you know so there is no excuse I hear a lot of you know unfortunately a lot of mothers who feel so guilty because they go to work 
Well, let me tell you, the good news is that you don't have to feel guilty, but we need to, what you need to do, or the mothers listening to the podcast, is just spend quality time with your child. Whether it's one hour of your time a day that you sit with your child and say, you know what, I'm here, mommy's back from where I love you and I'm here, and let's do something, let's play, let's just be sit with you and, you know, cuddle you, cuddle and snuggles, and just be there, loving, connecting. How was your day, my love? How, how did you go? Mm. You know that you matter to my life. You're so worth it to my life. You make me happy. And these words means a lot to the child. And maybe interact with them, play with them, do a checkers game, do a something that makes them feel that you are coming from work and you're giving this little time to them because the message behind that to the child is, I must be so important, as important as, as the work of my mommy that she sits with me. So that means I matter and I'm worth it of her time. So that's the message behind the presence and the availability of the parents. Whether it's a little time, quality time, or for the lucky children that can have mommies, you know, more, more hours a day. And is so this is this at the core of conscious parenting? So is this what conscious parenting is? It's one of the cores because conscious mm. parenting, the method itself. So what is conscious parenting? Conscious parenting is basically a parenting style that goes against the authoritarian linear parenting. You know that we have been conditioned for centuries that parenthood is about the parent being at the top of the ladder and the child at the bottom. So the child listens to the parents, you know, on standards, directions, shaping and fixing, because in, in the traditional parenting styles, it is the parent that, you know, creates, shape a successful child. And we are against that in conscious parenting. We say, no, 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 no. Parenthood does not need to be linear. We do not have to shape and fix and, you know, produce a successful child. No, 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 no. Children come to this world in their own divinity. They are whole. They are complete. They are already perfect. However, they need certain programs. They need certain guidance and inspiration through the parent experience to be able to survive in this world. I always use the metaphor of a computer, okay? When you have a computer, a Mac, a beautiful brand new Mac, you need to have programs in it, Safari or Microsoft package to be able to operate and get something out of the computer. For children, they come like that. They come brand new, divine, whole, absolutely perfect human beings. But in order to operate in this world, in the world of form, where everything has shape, colors, taste, and we, we can, you know, we can perceive it with our five senses, we need to download programs in the children of how to perceive life, how to see, how to react, how to survive. And these programs are downloaded and they're given by who? By the parents. So if you are a parent that want to inspire your child, guide your child, it's about you then. The parenting in conscious parenting is not about the children. It's about the parents. How are you inspiring your child? How are you guiding your child? Are you guiding them through what? Through, through discipline that is based on punishment, neglect, shaming, 
you know, putting them in the naughty corner when they don't do what you want or what you perceive that it's the right thing, or you are allowing your child to unfold in your eyes, to unfold their own authenticity, their own flows and their, their own strengths. That's the question, you know. So for, for the conscious parenting, we believe that parenthood does not need to be linear. There is not a you know, a, a more knowing person, the parent. No, no, to the contrary. In conscious parenting, we believe the children come into this world to teach you, to make you, the parent, evolve. Because it will be you, the one who is going to get triggered by the or overwhelming experience, like me, like I told you. I will panic. I will be like, oh my God, when I used to sit down with my eldest son and he will not get mad, for example, we used to do homework, I'll get like, oh my God, but I'm trying my best and I don't have... So see, the, the trigger was in me, not my child. My child needs, a, you know, calm, you know, a proper, you know, decent way to teach him math and with calmness, patience. But it was me. The trigger was in me. So I had to take the opportunity of the experience of teaching my son anything, any, any, any course and evolve. So it's about us, the parents. That's one of the myths that we feel in conscious parenting. Parenting is about the parents. It's not about the children. Because we have the children because of our need to complete our marriage. In other words, even though it sounds a bit harsh, but it is our own narcissist, you know, need to have mm -hmm. a child. Most of us in our society, we... We have children because we want to complete our marriage or because we want to go through the experience of becoming mm -hmm. a mother, you know? And then when the child is there and if you had a move in your head of having this wonderful, calm, very good child, but then you have this hyper dynamic, you know, very, you know, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, naughty boy or a girl or, you know, very hyper, you are like, oh my God, no, I didn't want this. I didn't sign for this. Well. It's about us. It's about we taking the experience that our children give us this opportunity to evolve as a human beings, as, as parents. So another myth I will say about parenting, traditional parenting, is that children need to be happy. They need to be happy. We must make them happy. So we create this need of always, if, if the child cry, let's say, in a restaurant, or if the child is crying too much because it has gases in the stomach, we, the mother, some of us tend to panic and we break. It's like, oh my God, what am I doing wrong? And, you know, the child is crying and we crack and we become crazy. And that's not what parenting is about. The child will cry and that's okay. We do our best. We become present in the moment, knowing that we are doing our best. And if the child cries, there is a reason child communicates through crying. It's a way to say, mommy, mm -hmm. maybe I'm hungry. Or mommy, maybe, you know, you fit me with too much milk and I have, you know, some gases. And you comfort the baby without having to panic and feel like, oh, this is too much for me. It's exhausting. You understand? So yeah. the children... Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know why we see pain as so bad. We demonize pain. Pain is not bad. It's sometimes the tears, it's in the tears that the children will find their, their, their true selves. And, and, you know, it's okay. Pain is not always bad. We grow up, even as adults, we sort of avoid pain at any cost. But mm. sometimes pain makes us grow. 
so it's okay. And and this is one of the other myths of what we, we are against with conscious parenting. So conscious parenting is a variety of, um, you know, techniques or, or, or teachings that makes you to evolve, makes you to see the traditional parenting in another way. And it's also understanding generational patterns. I don't know if you ever heard, Peter, about this term, generational have, patterns. Yeah. Yes. Do you know what that means? What is your understanding on that? Do you know what it means? So from, from my understanding, this is, these are things that you can sometimes not even be conscious of. They are things that have happened in your family history that sort of repeat themselves and you may not even some of them you may be aware of but some of them you may not be aware of and there are many factors in that it can be you know what part of the world you grew up cultural things things that then your parents went through and then their parents and they sort of it all trickles down doesn't it and you are sort of then the the outcome of that and you can carry you can carry things without even having been through it yourself um i don't know obviously the real sort of um, the psychology behind it, but I definitely have heard it before and I've heard people speak about it and I find it so fascinating. It is indeed. You describe it so beautifully because it is indeed things that we do as adults without realizing and it is a learned behavior that we took from our parents, the, the most important people in the life of a human being. Because if as I said before, when a child is born, the only way he will perceive the world is through the eyes of the parents. So as children, we copy behavior from our mother, from our father. And if our mother was sometimes perhaps impatient, or she will shout when she wants something, or you know, perhaps the father was an absent father, he was never there, but he, when he came, he was friendly. We perceive certain you know, behaviors, and as children, we copy those behaviors. It becomes part of our personality. In fact, this is a scientific and a biological fact that when a child is born, from zero to three years old, it is the most important imprinting of a human life, zero to three. From zero to three is where the child creates a codependency. It's a, it's a positive attachment to the mother, especially to the mother, because the child does not realize only until two years old that he's actually outside of mommy. Before two years, the child thinks that mommy and the baby is one. He's mm. literally looking at mommy for every emotion and expression. They don't have a sense of self. So mommy gives them the sense of self. And through this attachment, this constant reassurance, mommy, are you there? Mommy, am I safe? Mommy, can you see me? Mommy, do I matter to you? Are you available to me? You know, so it is constant the first three years. In fact, I don't know if you heard this um, label of the terrible two. Did you, did you heard that? Yeah, of that, course, of course. Yeah? This is something yes. that everybody it, talks about. Terrible two. Yes, yeah. the terrible two. And it's so funny because scientifically at two years old and biologically the child realizes oh dear me i'm another human being mommy's there and i'm here what happened to us mommy i thought we were one and you know he thought that or the child thinks that 
we were one. And at two, they realized, no, mommy's there and I'm here. They start to develop in the brain the sense of self. And so that makes them scared. They are scared and they're like, mommy, mommy, mommy. And it's always the tantrums, the constant, you know, nagging of having mommy because they are scared. They are scared. They want to know that they are okay and they're safe. So this is why a two-year-old becomes like, you know, he needs or she needs more reassurance that mommy don't worry mommy's here and it's available and i love you and you matter and so that's why the mothers call these years the terrible mm. too because it is when the child realizes that he's an individual human being separated from the mother this time he realizes that and this is why he's always in this constant tantrum or you know needing of mommy you know and so these three first years are the most important the attachment of the child to the mother where the mother has to give 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 to the child reassurance constant presence constant validation because that will tell the child i am okay i am safe i am worth it mommy always come when i cry mommy is always available to me mm. the first three years dr gabor mate says that if you do this for the first three years well, you can relax after three years. Mm. But if the child does not have this constant reassurance that mommy is available and that he feels safe, then the brain, the first layer of the brain, which is the first part of the brain that it's developed between zero to three, it's called the brain stem. It needs that reassurance because it makes the brain feel, okay, we are safe. We don't have to, you know, feel, you know, stressed or anxious. So the child is okay. The second layer of the brain is the limbic brain, which is developed again from zero to three. And that is the part of the brain that, you know, with this attachment to the mother, with this constant reassurance, hopefully and ideally from the parents, the child feels like, okay, I matter, I'm worth it. It's when the self-esteem, the confidence, the first imprinting of confidence and self-esteem is imprinted in the human life, zero to three. And then at three years old, the last layer of the brain, or what the first three layers is the cortical brain. The last layer that is developed between zero to three, and that's the cognitive part, you know, where the child start to learn, you know, the intellectual part of the brain mm. that it start to learn, you know, start to realize that, okay, the objects are there, you know, the first motor skills realizes about the objects does not disappear, they are there and I'm here. And so these are developed the first three years of their life. And that codependency, that attachment is so important. It will determine the formation of the pre- frontal cortex and that is the regulator of our emotions that's what makes us like you know the gear change in the in the car mm -hmm. for the children is the same is the is the regulator of the emotion is when the brain will know when to release cortisol stress alert when to release dopamine happiness or adrenaline or oxytocin love you know so it's a very important time of of the child or of a human being the first three years and in this learning in this learning of observing mommy and daddy and the dynamic of a family is where they get the first 
generational patterns. They will learn how to ask for things, how to behave. So if they see mommy shouting constantly, nagging, complaining about money, lack, scarcity, they will copy that behavior. They will say, oh, mommy said that oh, money is so difficult to get. And, you know, or mommy shouts when she wants something or daddy raises the voice when, you know, he speaks to mommy or, you know, all the different behaviors the child is learning, observing. And when they grow and they have their own families, they tend, because the imprinting has been done, they will instinctively react in the same way that they so the parents act. So that's what the generational patterns is about. It is this learned and copied behavior that we obtain from the first imprinting in the in, in our in our psychic. And of course the cultural, religious, society, all the things that we are told and we will continue to practice throughout our lives. It is just so fascinating. And how with conscious parenting how do you approach discipline because we do need Uh to teach our children don't we no Uh that's not okay Uh or Uh it's not nice when you do that how what's the approach there because I feel like there's lots of these sort of like naughty step things and it's something I haven't really started to think about yet because my baby's only 10 months old but I want Uh to get a head start I want to I want to be prepared like how am I going to teach her right and wrong Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so for little babies i would say at least until three years old they are you the little girl is mirroring you so there is no discipline per se because the little baby is regulating finding herself through you she's literally mirroring you so you didn't notice that some children when they are below three years old and if they fall they just if they're crawling and they fall the first thing they do is they look at mommy mommy are you okay that i fall and if mommy is okay it's like okay my love stand up come on continue the baby will stand up and continue but if if the baby turns and the mommy oh oh my god you know they run the child will start "Ah," cry because it's like oh mommy's not good with this i'm going to cry because she's panicking and then they start crying so they don't have sense of of you know what's right and wrong however the way we conscious parenting teach per se discipline we don't like to use because first of all discipline they 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 misinterpreted so badly because Mm -hmm. discipline means it comes from a word of disciple disciple you know like you are supposed to follow somebody as a disciple, mm-hmm. you know, voluntarily, voluntarily. Like if I will have to give you an example, like Jesus has his apostles or Prophet Muhammad has his apostles, you know, they follow him because both of them were good examples. They follow them and voluntarily. So discipline comes from uh, an action that is voluntarily. However, in our society, we tend to use this term discipline as a harsh, you know, uh, rule that they have to, they have to, you know, by obligation, they have to follow and it's not so. Mm -hmm. So for us in conscious parenting, we have a different approach. We believe that we must teach our children the, the, the element of cause and effect. So we tell the children from a small age after three years old, like, if you do this, this will happen. 
Mm. And if you touch, if you put your little finger in the plug, you know, you might get her. And of course, the child at three, they're so curious and they're exploring. So that's why we parents need to be careful. But we do explain the concept of cause and effect. Because then you, they will understand that for every action that they do, there is a consequence. There mm. is an effect. And then the most important thing for conscious parenting is creating boundaries. We introduce the concept of boundaries. Because when you create boundaries, there is no need for discipline, is it? You will explain the child, you know what? I have a 16-year-old. I give you an example. I have a 16-year-old, teenagerhood. Obviously, he wants to go out with the friends too, too late. But I explained my son. I said, well, Mohammed, you know, I know you are in the, teenage, in the teenager age, validation. I said, oh, my God, that must be so much fun for you to go out with your friends. How lucky you are. I wish I come back in time. So I validate his emotions, his excitement. And then I said, well, listen, my boundary is that you go out until 10th in the evening and then he will negotiate obviously because he's living in the <laughs> present moment yes he's living in the present moment he doesn't know about my projection like a, an adult so he is living in the pre and that's what teach and teach us they live in the present moment my love children don't know and, and well teenagers at least they understand better but little kids of three four five they play and when they play, they are in that present moment. Mm. And sometimes we mommies, we tend to forget that. And we're like, come on, hurry up, switch off this and switch off that and leave the iPad. And, you know, but they are just on the present moment and they're enjoying. So when we put boundaries, we said, okay, I tell you what, I negotiate, Mohammed. I know you want to be until 11, but let's do something. Because I understand you, validation of his emotions, I let you be until 10.30. No, no, I want to be at 11. Let's say he fights me back. I said, no, that's my boundary, 10.30. And if you don't want to, then I'm sorry, I can't let you go. And then he will say, okay, fine, 10.30. And let's say he shows up at 10.45. Here is where we have the opportunity again to choose kind against to be right so you can be flexible and say okay fine but please know my boundary was 10 30 but i understand you and that's okay you came at 10 45 per se you know i'm giving an example so we do not in conscious mm. parenting believe in this authoritarian and disciplinary rule rigid way of teaching our kids our boundaries so you create boundaries that are always life and hazing so when a parents, when we recommend in conscious parenting method, creating boundaries, I always say to my clients, create boundaries that are not, not narcissistic, rigid, authoritarian, but create boundaries that are life enhancing for you and mm -hmm. your child, that are fair, they are fair for you and your child. And, and, and when you create those boundaries, you explain that to the child the cause and effect of those boundaries. And I think this is a better approach. In conscious parenting, we feel that is much better. And yes, you will have certain boundaries that you can, you know, be flexible about. And yeah. you will also have boundaries that are more, you know, steel boundaries, I call them. 
you know, like, for example, with, with dangerous stuff, you know, if you tell your child, well, don't open the door and, you know, just go outside because, you know, I want to be sure that, you know, there is no car outside, you know, something that is actually safety reasons, you can have these rigid boundaries, but some of the boundaries can also be flexible as long as you explain those boundaries to the children, you let them understand and agree with you because they will be life enhancing boundaries. So that's the approach we have instead of this rigid disciplinary, you know, mm. uh, method that it happens on the normal traditional parenting style. And do these things like naughty steps really work? Because whenever I've seen it in action, I've always just mm-hmm. thought, I'm not sure this is really working because more often than not, the child then just continues to do the thing they're on the naughty step for. <laughs> And then, and then often what you see, so they'll put the child on the naughty step, they'll speak to the child, and then they'll do it again. But by that point, you can see the parent is so tired that they then don't like continue through with it. So I so I then often think, I mean, I know this is all really difficult. So I'm not judging. But I think I'm not sure that that works that that naughty step thing. It doesn't. And it's very cruel, in fact. Naughty corner or naughty space is isolating the child from you, the mother, or maybe the family. And an isolation is the worst punishment you can do to a human being. It's cruel. It does not work because nobody wants to be isolated. You have to understand that, in fact, the, you know, the jail system and the society punishment is the jail. And in jail, you isolate the human being for making a wrong decision or acting in the wrong way. Mm. And you isolate them from their family, the society, and you put them in jail. Well, the naughty core corner concept is exactly the same because you are isolating the child from you the mother who is the most important or the parents mommy and daddy are the most important you know persons in their lives and it is a human need to belong and when you isolate that child to the naughty corner what message are you telling him that you know you I'm going to punish you and I'm going to take you away of my presence. And so you're going to be naughty. You're going to be in the naughty corner, which means also that you are bad, you know, not your action. You are bad. So that's why we are isolating you and that now you do not belong to us for a couple of minutes. And that is wrong. So -hmm. what I would suggest again, if the child persists, is then create the limits. Because one thing is to do boundary, you explain, the child continues, because this is what we do. I'm going to give you an example, when a typical example of a mother who gives the iPad, yeah, because we are now living in a society where we have iPads, and they are taking over our, everybody, starting from parents and also children. And if you are a mother who says, okay, I'm going to give you the iPad for one hour, and then the child is like two hours in the iPad, and the mother is like, okay, Adam, leave the iPad, I told you many times, and they keep shouting, Adam, I told you to leave the iPad, and they are not listening, well, you stand up, go to the child, have eye contact, put a limit, you say, okay, I'm going to take away the iPad, and I understand that you like it, and I understand that this is something that it's so, you know, entertaining and dynamic, but I'm going to take it away. And the child might give a tantrum and, you know, uh, complain and call you names. And you're going to be consistent because you are right. It is when the parent give 
give it up because they are in their own world and they want to just get it over. They want to do their own thing. They want mm. to go back to their emails, their lab, and they give in because they just want to, you know, get it done. Well, parenting takes an effort for you to spend the time to tell the child, look, I'm going to be here with you. I know that you don't like me to take the iPad away, but I understand and I feel you and I, I know it's so entertaining. I also have a phone and I love my phone, but it's one hour. And then you explain why, you know, why I'm not giving you more because it's not good for you, for your eyes. Would you like to do something with me? And would you like me to take you out to the park? Or, you know, what can I do to help you do something that also makes you distracted because the child wants the iPad not because he just wants to upset you as a parent. It's because it actually distracts him or her. So if you're going to create an alternative for the child that will make more sense to the child and said, okay, my mommy gets me, you know, I'm bored and she gets that, you know, uh, I'm bored. So, and she's willing to give me an, a, an alternative. So you create an alternative mm -hmm. to the child. So it takes this effort of creating boundaries, limits, and creating alternatives to the child. So parenting, it's about that. It's not simply you expecting to go, mm. the, you're expecting the things to go on your way with your own rules and just because you say so. Mm -mm. It takes a lot of involvement. It takes a lot of, you know, be there for the child understanding. In fact, Dr. Shefali has an acronym called BLAME, okay? She said, do not blame your child, use BLAME. BLAME as a B for boundaries, L for limits, A for alternatives, M for mirroring. Because the mm -hmm. child, when it comes to you, when he comes to you and asks your help or is in a tantrum or is in a situation the child doesn't know what he wants, it comes to the mother, the parents, to mirror themselves. Mm -hmm. So when a child comes to you, you are the mirror to the child to show them who they are. So if my child comes to me and say, for instance, oh, mommy, you know, my, my friend did not invite me to the birthday party, let's say great five grade four it doesn't and I, I i feel so bad and so if they see the mother oh my god how they did not invite you that's so bad you are wonderful in that case you are not mirroring the child you have to mirror and say oh my love i see i see that you are feeling so bad and you become present for your daughter or your child and say come mm. i love you i know you must feel in bad you do not deny the feeling that the child is feeling you acknowledge the feeling you you mirror her and then you say okay what can i do to help i know you're feeling bad how can i help will it help that i invite your friends in another occasion and we do something with your friends will that help you know will that mm. help i'm here for you and i'm here available to understand you to validate your pain for not being invited and as i said before pain is not bad we cannot yeah. deny that pain will make that child to grow, to, to learn to, you know, deal with conflicts, deal with disappointment. It's okay. It's okay to be rejected. She will learn from it. And more if you have a mother that understands you, that mirror mm -hmm. that you are hurt. And that's okay. And then you create that alternative. Can I help you like this? 
do you want me to do this? How will I, how can I help you? So that is M for mirroring. And the last one is the E for empathy. Mm-hmm. You, if you are empathetic with your child, you, you have to, you have to understand that they feel, they feel in certain ways and you can help it. Like the teenagers, teenagers have, this is the most important age where they want empathy. They don't even want your friendship. I tell you that much. My son, a child I grow with all my efforts and all my time, you know, thinking I'm going to be, you know, the best mommy. Now in his teenager who he doesn't need me, he just needs me for logistic wise. Take me here, take me there, yeah. give me money. You know? you know, mom, this happens to me. And I'm like, oh, really? I'm like a little dog. Like, oh my God, he needs me now. You know, and it's like, he yeah. just want me to listen to him. He just wants to listen to, he doesn't even want my opinion. And if he does not invite me to give him my opinion there, mm. if I even consider giving my opinion. So he, he just want my empathy. He just want me to listen to him and be there, you know, and I, I try my best to always be there. And of course, as a typical mother, I wish I want more, you know, I want him to tell me how was his day and he will only disclose what he wants to. And he does not mm. want me definitely to tell him how was my day because he never asked me. So I'm like, okay, yeah, anything else? And I'm like, no, mom, thank you. Love you. And I'm like, yeah, love you too. And inside of me, I'm like, what, that was it? Like, you know, that was yeah. it. I want like, all time, these years. You know? And this exactly. is all I get. But you know what? Exactly. My brother my brother is 29 and he lives in America. My mom lives in the UK. And at least once a week, he calls her just to like, dump all of his stuff on her and that that just makes my mom so happy because she's still needed and and he really wants her he wants her opinion and he wants her to listen and he wants her to kind of problem solve and so you know I think you and I and I don't want to say boys and girls are different but I think you know we all go through phases and but I think because my mom, like you, has shown him that consistently, he now, mm-hmm. even as a grown man, will will call my mom because he knows Absolutely. that that's someone who's going to listen. And, um, you know, my mom doesn't always give her opinion. If he asks, she does. Because again, like you, she doesn't just want to, you know, project stuff onto him. So I think, yeah, it, it, it must feel really like you just give everything. And then one day they just like don't need you. And you're like, uh, hang on, yeah. what? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because you know what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's so interesting. I love your mother. Your mother seems such a good conscious mother. Mom, because but I don't think my she, mom even yeah. knows she's a conscious mom. I think mm. she just, and it's only now I'm a mom. I, I mean, I knew I had an amazing mom, but like now I'm a mom. I'm like, how did you do all of this, mom? This is so hard, exactly. you know? <laughs> I know, but your mom seems to be a very, very interesting character because, I mean, she, She that shows me already when your brother calls her and, and knowing that she can count on her just to listen to her, that means that your mom did a great job because I can tell you countless of patients and, and, and people that I coach that they, I'm sorry, but they will never call their mothers because mm-hmm. they will know that they will they will be told again what to do. And they yeah. don't want to be told what to do because nobody likes to be told what to do. So they just yeah. want somebody for them. That's all. But isn't that the case so often? We just want to be heard. And then the other person you're, you're talking to immediately goes to problem solving. And sometimes that's mm-hmm. not what you want. You just want to verbally say something and for someone else to listen like that's all Mm -hmm. you want and you don't want Mm -hmm. someone to then go into the opinions and well I think you should do this and 
and that can be really difficult because it's I guess it's our human nature isn't it to help so we just sort of immediately go to that that problem solving yes the the thing is with for example conscious parenting that's exactly the core we believe parents are here to attune with the child's Mm -hmm. needs not your own needs not your unmet needs that you did not have as a child but that you are projecting into your child and then you start telling and you know imposing things that your child does not need but because you didn't have it and you think you project that your child needs that's when you have that itch in your hand that wants to tell and you know impose and say things that it's your own projection and what conscious parenting does is inviting parents to please just just be the mirror of your children just be the support of your children just Mm -hmm. be the friend of your children be there available because you brought them into this world and they are unique human beings and they came here into this world to evolve to have their own you know right with their own authenticity and you are there just to you know love them unconditionally unconditionally because you see love is such an underrated word it's love is so vague if it is not conscious love is not enough love is not enough if it is not conscious if it is not a coherent and if it's not felt as love to the other person you see you Mm. know if if you said for example there are parents that said but I hate you when you were a child because I had to, because I love you. And I wanted you to be good in whatever you were doing. I had to punish you because I love you. And, you know, I had to shout at you and neglect your feelings because I knew that this, what I wanted from, for, for, for you was better. In which standard, I ask? In which, in your own standard? How did you know that that was the better for your child? I, it's sad. It's sad, Peter. I have so many adult clients, 40, 45 year old, that they are five years old inside themselves, yeah. 10 years old inside themselves. Children that were neglected, that were never listened at. And let's say that they are doctors now, but they never wanted. They wanted to be musicians. They wanted to be engineers. They wanted mm-hmm. to be art, wherever. And because of the parents, you know, expectations and standards, they end up being people that they they don't want to be and they never wanted to be but because of the so-called love of the parents yeah you know it's 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 not enough love is not enough if it is not conscious in fact love can be so toxic because when it's not conscious it becomes controlling and Mm. there is not so many things that are more toxic than control and that is the kind of love that makes people kill. You know, in, in South America, where I come from, in Peru or in many countries like Spain, lots of men kill women because of love. They genuinely love them in their head. They genuinely love them, but they cannot bear to see them with other people and then mm. they kill them. You understand? So it's, it's a yeah. toxic love. So we need to be sure that the love we have towards our children is unconditional. It is just there without any condition it's not transactional where i give you love but you gotta be a good boy i love you but you have to be good in math i love you but i want you to play tennis and football and basketball i love you but you know what i like you to be a ballerina or i want you to do gymnastics no that's a transactional love that's not unconditional Mm. 
because your child will show you what they want. They will ask you, they will learn with your example, with your inspiration, with your guidance, with your support. So love is it's beautiful when it's conscious, not when it is unconscious love. I remember yeah. so vividly the day that I learned that lesson when I thought, when I, when I had that realization that, oh, like love isn't enough. Like you can love someone, but there needs to be other things here. Like that just, just because I love you doesn't mean that this is going to work. Like that we need other things, you know? And so often we, we say, oh yeah, but I, but I love them. It's like, yeah, you can love them, but do you have all these other things that you need to make a relation, any type of relationship work? Um, and we are just taught that, well, if you, if you love something or someone, then it will all be okay. And it kind of lets mm -hmm. you off the hook for working mm -hmm. on all the other things, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Luz, there are so many things I want to talk to you about. We're going to have to get you back on because <laughs> I have sure. so many more questions for you. But before we go to our quick fire round, I do want to ask you about that first year of having your first baby with your partner. What are some of the most common issues that couples come to you with because I'm in my first year of my baby's life and I knew it would impact my relationship and I have a really loving healthy relationship but it really it's it's sort of taken me back by how much it really does change things um I mean I knew it would change our life but there are so many things that have come up and I'm like wow this is this is a lot so in your in your role what are sort of the most common things that you see? And do you have couples coming to you often? Yes. With, with, yes, a lot. Know, because they've had, okay, uh, yeah. great. Absolutely, I do. And, and, and you are absolutely right. And as I told you, the first three years of the baby causes a lot of disruption unintentionally, of course, because the child, as I said, never came, never asked to be in this world you know it was a it was a need of the parents that brought them into this world so the first three years is very exhausting because you know as women we go to a transition it's a it's a physical trauma we go our body completely change i mean mm -hmm. we are nine months with this baby and as you know and i know I, I did it three times i don't know how but i did it three times i have three boys and you know it's it's really a traumatic event our physical body goes to a such change our boobies mm -hmm. become bigger and you know our legs swallow like hell and in and you know your your bones literally is like separating on the lower back and, and it's it's a traumatic event and not to mention that after the baby it's so tiring because again as i told you a baby needs this constant reassurance and availability of the mother so mm. obviously the mother is tired she is tired because she has to wake up every two hours or every three hours to feed the baby and you know it's it's physically tiring you know so i would say yes a lot of couples the first three years the husband sort of get the neglect of the wife because of course we we are born with the genes mothers to be so attached to the children and it is you know we put everything else as a second and we are like just focus on the child not even in ourselves that's the first mm. mistake so the first mistake is neglecting yourself as a person when you are a mother we born with the genes of being over empathetic we women have this gene of being over empathetic we give 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 to the point we are bleeding inside and we are still giving and that's a mistake 
it goes against conscious parenting, for example, because we believe in conscious parenting that the mother is so important as the child. You cannot neglect yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to rest. You have to have self-care. And in this self-care, it will become more natural for you to give in a more balanced way to mm -hmm. the child and to your partner because you see your partner understand that you are needed by the child but he also wants time with you because he's your partner you know he he also wants time with you and for you as well is needed to have that quality time with your partner so the mistake that we do because of our you know centuries and centuries of genes of mothers that we are you always giving 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 we tend to forget that you know time uh, prioritize our time in the sense that we we should ideally we, it, it is better it's more advisable to not neglect yourself as a as a human being have the self-care do your exercise do your mindfulness if if you if you know about mindfulness mm -hmm. meaning you know meditate have some quality time for yourself with your partner don't neglect your partner because yes we know that you know in our society man is the one that go out for work and you know he's not going to maybe if you are lucky of course there are some fathers there that wake up and if you are not breastfeeding they can also help you with the formula but in general it is our conditioning that parents mm. go to work they are the providers and they might not be physically tired as you so that's why it's important that you create that balance as a mother that you take care of yourself self-care is the most important thing mm. in conscious parenting we me as a coach to a mother i will tell her please priority number one is you are you taking care of yourself are you resting enough are you doing your mindful mindfulness uh, rituals are you you know satisfied with the time of rest that you have and is that juggling this priority of self-care baby quality time husband quality time so it's it's a juggle that you need to, you know, be able to compensate. And it is priority, prioritizing your self-care, baby quality time and the partner quality time. You can time management. That word time management does not exist because the, 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 the day only have 24 hours. So you cannot manage it. It's only 24. So you mm -hmm. have to manage your tasks. That's what you have to. And the yeah. task, that's where the catch is. Because when you put in certain importance to things that are not important then you have less time for you for your mm. self-care so you have to be able to re recognize what is really important at the present moment without projections so do not project oh i need to go and work more because i'm going to make more money because in the future i need this and i need that for the baby universe you are already going so far with your projections but no so we we tell you no in conscious parenting live in the present moment now prioritize your tasks you know you are awake 10 hours in the day or because you sleep let's say 12 hours if you're lucky or 10 hours you have another 14 hours from which you have self-care mm. your work the baby the partner so prioritize your tasks see for what is really important in the now in the now without projections you can make plans for the future but you don't have to marry them you have to be flexible mm. with them you know little steps for the things the goals that you make 
prioritize. That will be my best advice. Never neglect self-care as a mother. And also that time, quality time with your partner. Do not. Mm. So that will yeah. be my best advice for you. Yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because for those sort of first three months, particularly if you're breastfeeding, they just need you all the time. And then you sort of forget yeah. to look after yourself. And then little yeah. things like a shower feel like such a luxury when they shouldn't be, you know. And no. then we're not very good at asking for help. I was very bad at asking my, my husband for help. I would just yeah. sort of do it all myself. And to him, I'm just doing a great job. I'm getting on with it. I've taken to it so well. But inside, I'm like, I just want some time to have a shower and go yeah. to the top. Yeah. And I had to get really kind of push myself to get used to asking for help so I could go and do those things. And then your capacity as they get a bit older gets a bit bigger. So you feel like you can, you know, it's then goes from like, okay, well, I've got time for just having a shower to I might put some cream on my face and I might, you know, I might listen to a podcast or whatever it might be. And it's this because we're so it's in us it's instinctive to just take care of our baby and give them everything we have to kind of reprogram exactly. our minds don't we to Thank then you. remember that we're a person it's a really strange thing to go through and yeah, I'm still that, that's a pattern that's a generational pattern exactly yeah. that's what we are told that mothers have to do this you know that if you do not do that if you do not wake up every three hours and breastfeed your child you are a bad mommy and you know no how can you ask for help that's your job no it doesn't have to you can share that you can ask help you know and you should have that shower and you should have that self-care and if your husband is available wow jackpot you, you you're lucky use that mm -hmm. you know ask for help there is nothing wrong with that it will not make you a lesser good mother i mean it will not make you a not good enough mom you are a good mom enough mom but you are being smart about it and that you rest and naturally you will be a better mother then when you yeah. are more rested when you can have that shower when you can have that time to breathe it, you will be a better mother than a mother that oh never asked for help all tired with you know uh, absolutely exhausted what are you going to give in that you know so it's a yeah. projection it's that we we do this ourselves sometimes we want to be martyrs you know we want to be martyrs we want to be this you know uh never ask mother unable to say no and you don't have to that's just a projection let go let go ask for help and if if, if you have that help my goodness me use it because that will be that will make your life much easier and will make you a better mommy happier mommy you know Completely. so absolutely mm -hmm. Oh, Luz, I have so much more I want to talk to you about. I'm going to have to come, get you back on the podcast to come and talk about other other topics around parenthood and motherhood. But I have a quick fire round for you. Um, so we're just sure. going to go through these questions. Um, your one piece of advice for first time mums. Relax, relax. It's okay. You are going to be fine. You are going to be absolutely fine. Be there with your child, but do not neglect yourself. Self-care is the most important thing you can do to yourself. What's one thing nobody warned you about before becoming a mother? 
that it's not natural, that you need to learn to be a mother. It's not going to come naturally to you because you can make mistakes and you're going to repeat things that has been done to you. So please don't, don't do that because you might have, you might not have a great childhood and some of the things that you learned are there in your subconscious mind and when you are triggered you're going to do it without you wanting it so please mm -hmm. learn about parenting styles that are positive conscious parenting is one of them but there are so many positive ways to parent your child learn educate yourself motherhood does not come naturally mm -hmm. it does not you need to learn you need to read you need to social media now it's 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 an it's a choice being ignorant in anything because education yeah. is free of charge so just get some courses and learn more about positive ways to raise your child your favorite thing about being a mom oh my goodness me it's this quality time with my kids when i you know i can cuddle them and and i can just be there with them and and they ask me questions so quality time with my kids and finally, Luz, what does motherhood mean to you in three words? Evolution. Oh, my goodness me. Evolution. Gratitude. I'm grateful to have this experience. And a lot of consistency. I, 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 I learned the, the consistency that I have to be constant. Always there, constant. And yeah, so gratitude, cons consistency, and evolution. I evolve my goodness me. I, I can hardly recognize myself, that loose that I was when I was a single, and the loose that I am now when I'm a mother. I'm so mm -hmm. grateful to my children to make me evolve. Lots of tears and suffering, but all worth it. And, and I evolve thanks to my children. Luz, thank you so much. I feel like I have learned just so much from you this morning. I'm going to put all your details in the show notes so people know where to find you um, and know more about Positive Living, which is the, the company that you, you own Positive Living, don't you? This is your company. Yes, yes. Yeah. that's my company. Um, I'm the CEO and founder, yes. So people can find you there and contact you. And I'm definitely going to get you back on the podcast if you would be, if yes. you would be willing to come back on Absolutely. because I have so much yes, more I want to talk yes. to you about. Sure. Luz, thank you sure. so, so much. Thank you, Peter. It's an honor and I'm here whenever you need me. And I thank you actually for spreading the words of conscious parenting. Thank you so much. In fact, our slogan in conscious parenting is saving one child at a time, saving it from the generational patterns of unconsciousness, unconscious, mm. you know, parenting. So thank you so much for, for spreading, the, spreading the word into those mothers who are listening to the podcast. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Luz. Thank you so much once again to Luz. You can find links to Luz's Instagram and website, along with her contact details, in the show notes below. You can also find links below to our social media accounts, along with info on our recently launched Meaningful Mama Mornings, which take place every month here in Dubai. With these Mama Mornings, we are so thrilled to be able to bring you a different expert guest in person each month from infant sleep consultants, weaning experts, parenting coaches, and so much more. So I really hope to see you at one of our events in the near future. 
And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Friday's Child the Podcast to help us reach more wonderful mamas. Until next time, thank you for listening.